Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you for a second here about Canva, specifically Canva presentations that are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation. So start designing today at Canva.com. Design for work. Just go to Canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's your homeboy, Josh, and I was feeling nostalgic this week. So for this edition of SYSK Selects, I've chosen our classic episode, How Hot Wheels Works. It's from 2015, and it is banging. I hope you enjoy it. hope it takes you back to some great memories. And um, who knows, at the very least, I hope it mellows you out. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W., Chuck Bryant, and Jerry. You know what that just sounded like? What? Like, that's what happens. Like, you're having a nightmare, and Yumi wakes you up in the middle of the night, and you just go, hey, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> and then she slaps you across the face real mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. That is what that sounded like. <laughs> that's what it sounded like. It's pretty accurate. I don't know what got into me. Uh, you were just supercharged about this topic. Oh, that's terrible. What? Supercharged? I don't get it. It's like a supercharged engine? Oh, I, I didn't even think about that. Oh, good. Well, that makes me feel a little better. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Jerry, by the way, before when I told her what we were doing, said, uh-huh. oh, my gosh, that was my favorite toy when I was a kid. Nice. Hot Wheels are pretty great. Yeah. I, I had a quite a collection, and I don't know where they are today. Oh, really? Nope. They're missing, huh? Yeah. I don't know if they were thrown out or if uh, if uh, my brother has them or they're in my mom's attic or what, because I'm kind of curious if I have any value. Yeah, ones. you need to find them. Yeah. They could be, apparently, as far as Hot Wheels collectors go, they could be in mint condition all the way down to beater condition. Oh, is that how they rank them? Yeah. Uh, mine would be beaters because I played with them like crazy. That's good. I mean, that's what they're for. Sure. You know? And there's value for a beater, too. Like, some people apparently harvest them for parts to to rebuild, like, a, a you know, a, a new Frankenstein model. Oh, really? Yeah. That's pretty neat. There's a lot of stuff you can do with them. Yeah, and we should thank the fifth grader who wrote this article, too. <laughs> Sad face. <laughs> I complained about that out loud to Holly. I was like... This article actually says sad face, like as a sentence. Yeah. I know. That issues. I'm glad you said something. Yeah. What if it was a fifth grader? Your <laughs> feelings are all hurt. <laughs> I think your feelings are hurt either way now. Sad face. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're talking about Hot Wheels today. I had a couple. Um, 
My favorite toy was G.I. Joe, but I, I appreciated Hot Wheels. Yeah, I had G.I. Joe, too. We should do a G.I. Joe episode sometime. I had the older ones, though. You probably the had the... huge ones? Yeah. Yeah. No, I had the real ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I don't... That's fighting words. Man, the ones that I had were so <laughs> awesome. They were like... There was a huge, vast collection of all of them. Yeah. There was like Cobra... <laughs> Cobra didn't exist when you were collecting G.I. Joes. No, but how could you say like, oh, that one that's... 10 inches tall and has real clothes and fuzzy hair and the kung fu grip is inferior to this little plastic thing. I think you just said it all. <laughs> fuzzy hair says it right there. <laughs> I don't really mean that, Chuck. I, I don't have a dog in that fight. Like, if you like the big G.I. Joes, that's cool. I got no problem. Yeah, um, as a quick side note, I have to tell this story. Okay. When uh, You know how you used to do book reports and you would have mm -hmm. to have a visual aid? Yeah. Um, I might have told this before. If I do, I apologize. Well. I don't recognize it. Um, I did a report on Franco Harris when in elementary school because he was a— The football player? Yeah. Uh, I don't know why I did it on Franco Harris. Yeah. But um, I got my mom to make me a little Pittsburgh Steelers uniform for my G.I. Joe because he looked like <laughs> Franco Harris. Nice. Yeah, and that was my visual aid. You still have it? No, of course not. Yeah. We had the G.I. Joes, but I think the Steelers uniform is— Gone bye-bye. That's sad. Yeah. You know, I'm sure your mom put a lot of work into that. <laughs> now I feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Chuck, I have a question for you. Yes. Did you know that the number one vehicle manufacturer on the planet is, in fact, Hot Wheels? I did. It, it, it kind of, it's astounding until you stop and think about it. Sure. Like, apparently, since 1968, when Hot Wheels were first introduced, more than 4 billion Hot Wheels have been produced. That's more than the big four Detroit automakers combined. You're like, wow. And then you think, oh, yeah, it costs a minute fraction of the cost sure. to build a Hot Wheels than it does a normal car. Yeah. Plus, also, it's not like you're going to go, I want this uh, Buick Cutlass Supreme. In every color it comes in. Right. You know? With yeah. the Hot Wheels, you can do that. Yeah, what's the, the Lego stat is they're the biggest manufacturer of tires. Yeah, they're, yeah. I wonder, though, do these not count as tires because they're plastic? They count as wheels? I don't know, man. Because 4 billion times 4, that's 16 billion tires. That's a really great question. I might have to challenge Lego or maybe just look up how many tires they manufacture. Old Kurt Christensen is not going to be happy about this. Who was that? The founder of Lego. Oh. Remember Ole? Oh, yeah, that's right. I thought you were saying old. No, old. Yeah, Ol. I remember Ole. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's talk about the history of this stuff, huh? Okay. So Hot Wheels, like I said, have been around since 1968. And anybody who's heard the Barbie trademark podcast will recognize the name Elliot Handler. That's Ruth Handler, the inventor of Barbie trademark's husband. Sure. Um, and Elliot apparently saw a real chance to muscle in on an already extant market by a company called Tyco mm -hmm. that had a line of miniature metal cars, die-cast cars is what they're called, yeah. called Matchbox cars. That's right. By the time Hot Wheels came around, Matchbox was already there and had established a market, and Mattel said, let's get in on that. Yeah, and the rumor is that uh, he saw his grandchildren playing with them and said, uh, they kind of stink. I can make these better yeah. and cooler. Right. And he had a, um, as the story goes, had a designer, um, which we'll talk about in a second, called Harry Bradley. Sure. 
and he had a hot rod, and Elliot was in the parking lot one day and said, man, those are some hot wheels you got there. And, and apparently, if you go look, look at the old original commercials for Hot Wheels... Do they say that? That's how, well, that's how they pronounce it, Hot Wheels. Oh, instead of Hot like, Wheels? Yeah. The emphasis oh. is on the hot. It sounds awkward. They're like, race your Hot Wheels. You but can it makes sense, them. though. You can race them. Just go buy some Hot Wheels. <laughs> that's, what they, that's how they say it. Collect all your Hot Wheels. Yeah, but that makes more sense in the context of a sentence. It does, but you know? having been raised, right, right, you know, post the emphasis hot wheels. is wrong. Yeah, hot wheels. Because hot wheels. Now I'm trying to picture the guy in the parking lot saying, "Those are some hot wheels you got on your there." You'd say, "Hot wheels you got there," you know? Yeah. Oh boy, we can sure. Waste some time. We sure can. <laughs> uh, but the first, uh, 1968 is, like you said, when the first line came out of 16 Hot Wheels. <laughs> and they were sold initially for 59 cent a piece. Yeah. Um, and like you said, the guy whose car originally inspired the name Hot Wheels um, <laughs> was Harry Bradley. And he was the designer of that first 16 cars. They were also called... Um, California Customs Miniatures was that first original 16 group of Hot Wheels um, <laughs> that were released in 1968. So, yeah. And Harry Bradley designed them all, including, apparently, he got his hands on... Um, the first one, by the way, that came out was a Chevy Camaro. Of course. The second one that came out was the Chevy Corvette. Of course. And apparently, the Chevy Corvette came out before the actual Corvette came out. Yeah, the 69 Corvette, that is. So Harry Bradley was an old hand in not just miniature car design, but car design in general. He was an old GM designer, and I guess he had connections still at GM, and probably under the table in a possibly illegal way, got his hands on the blueprints for the Corvette that hadn't been released yet, and Hot Wheels beat GM to the punch in releasing the 1968 Corvette. Yeah, 69. Um Thank you. That's all right. The uh, yeah, as the lore goes, he supposedly knew that the cafeteria door was unlocked, so he snuck in mm -hmm. uh, through the cafeteria door. But that's called industrial espionage. Yeah, that sounds like a story, like just lore. Okay, but maybe so. Maybe he committed industrial espionage. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, the the those were the two of the first sixteen in that original lineup, uh, that original collection. Which, if you have any of those, <laughs> yeah, you're doing good, okay. Yeah, you got some money that you're I, sitting on. Because I mean, like they went all out on those ori that original line. Oh yeah, like there were bushings to the suspension. Yeah, uh, um, and the I mean the chassis, um, it had suspension like shocks. Like yeah. you could press them down and it would bounce back. I had some of those. I don't know. Think they were from '68, but. When did they quit making those? It said up until... Uh, 77 was when they stopped making the... Um, oh, no, no. 70 is when the suspension got an overhaul. Okay. So for the first couple of years, like, they were really putting a lot into these things. Um, the tires were redline racing slicks. Yeah. Um, and the things, the, the whole reason they went to so much trouble is because they really wanted to destroy their competitor, Matchbox. And one of the ways they did that was by making these things far more functional um, than the Matchboxes were, the Matchbox cars were. So they they really could race. Yeah. And if you put a Matchbox car up against a comparable Hot Wheels, say the same model car, yeah. 
um, the Hot Wheels will destroy it every time in the head-to-head race. As we saw on the internet, <laughs> yeah. a guy did that, of course. Uh, he took a, two Volkswagens and two Audi 8s, I think, uh-huh. and uh, one Matchbox and one Hot Wheel. And he said they won by at least a car length uh, every time he tried. Right. And this was no loop-de-loop or anything. This was just the straight race. Right. Um, they painted them originally in Spectra Flame, which was very shiny and sparkly and expensive. Um, and I don't think we said that all Hot Wheels are built at 164th scale. Yeah, that's a big point. But not necessarily all Matchbox cars. They kind of vary here and there. Right. Um, but, like you said, uh, that Spectra Flame and the Redline tires uh, didn't only last until 77, and the suspension only lasted until 1970, and they sadly a lot of that had to do with the fact that they moved them from Hawthorne, California to Hong Kong. Yeah. And uh, like any product, you're like, hey, you can make it for half as much if you make it in China. So let's move, let's ship the operations overseas. Well, not only that, it's the Spectra Flame pain is pretty expensive. It's awesome. It looks great. Yeah. But it's pretty expensive. So um, with with any collector's item, as they started to downgrade the components and the parts and the, the manufacturing yeah. and ultimately the final product, all that did was make the original stuff all the more valuable today. Yeah, because they had there's like, fewer and fewer of them oh, sure. as the years go on, proportionately speaking. Yeah, they had actual axles. Like, you know, right. it was like a real, they were designed by car designers. Uh, and they were made apparently to reach 200 scale miles per hour. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's way cool. Yeah, remember like uh, in the cockroach episode, we talked about how they're the fastest animal on the planet, <laughs> yeah. relatively speaking? Uh huh. Pretty neat stuff. Yeah. Um, so, Chuck, right out of the gate, Mattel had a hit on its hands. Oh, yes. Um, They released them in 1968. By 1970, Hot Wheels was a uh, Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. In the vein of, like, Dune Buggy and Scooby-Doo and all those guys, Hanna-Barbera. Dune Buggy? Or Speed Buggy. Speed Buggy? Yeah. Remember Speed Buggy? Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, it was like a, a Dune Buggy that could talk, and it was basically... Wonder Bug? No, it's Speed Buggy. Oh, okay. Because um, it was like, Wonder Bug, too. If you took Shaggy and put some, like, racing goggles on him yeah. and then turned Scooby-Doo into a speed a, a Dune Buggy, yeah, that's Speed Buggy. Oh, was that a cartoon? Yeah. Okay, they went Wonder- around solving mysteries and stuff like that. Yeah, Wonder Bug was, uh, I think that was live action. Oh, this was a cartoon. Sid and Marty Croft. This is exactly like Scooby-Doo by the people who did Scooby-Doo, using the same people who did the voices for Scooby-Doo. It, it just vaguely changed the characters. Hot Wheels was v- virtually the same thing, except it was about racing clubs. There were the bad guys and right. the good guys. And Do you know what this proves? What? Is the 1970s, the Dune Buggy, was a very popular thing. Mm-hmm. Remember seeing those on the road? Mm-hmm. Like, I used to see them all the time. Not all the time, but in the 70s, it was a, a common thing. Yeah. You don't see them anymore. Mm, very rarely. Nope. No Gremlins, no Yukos, no, no Wonder Bugs. Y- you know, I like Gremlins. Do you? Uh, they're okay. For me, though, the coup de gras of car design mm-hmm. is the AMC Pacer. Yeah. It's like the Formica kitchen of cars. Yeah. It's beautiful in all the weirdest ways. So much window. That would be my sought-after uh, Hot Wheels. If I had a Hot Wheels, that I, if I just could have one Hot Wheel, yeah. it would... I don't know if that would be it, but it, I'd be happy with that one. Now, do they have that as a Hot Wheel? Oh, yeah. 
Okay. Because, I it up. Um, and if you look up AMC Gremlin Hot Wheels, yeah. they went to town on those. They had yeah. some with like the, the intakes like sticking out of the hood and yeah. um, just all sorts of just awesome different variations like IndyCar Gremlins and stuff like that. Yeah. Because, and that raises a pretty good point, Hot Wheels has always been about the, the racing design. Like they've designed them to look like racing cars, but they've also manufactured them to actually be able to win a race like we talked about with Matchbox. Yeah, and one of the differences, uh, that is one of the main differences between the Matchbox and the Hot Wheel is they were just much more interested in being sportier. Like you could get you could get a Matchbox like a delivery truck. Right. You know, they, they had, they had and, but the Matchboxes looked more real. They, they all were about looking realistic right. and not necessarily performance. Yeah. Um, and hey, if you want a bread truck, you can get a bread truck. Right, exactly. But you can't get a bread truck Hot Wheel. Right. You know. Uh, we'll talk more about all of this jam right after this. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You want to go ahead and talk about some of the other differences between Matchbox and Hot Wheel? Yeah, sure. Since we're at it. Um, Matchbox, or I'm sorry, Hot Wheel is the one that is more likely to have uh, branded versions. Oh, man, and do they ever. Like the Ghostbusters Ectomobile. Right, um, or even more than that, like they have a, a deal with M&M Mars for 2015. Oh, they do. So they have like a Twix trucks and a Skittles van and like all this stuff. They have licensing with DC yeah. and Marvel this year. Fast and the Furious, I know they had a line. Yep, yeah. so they, they're really big time into branded, and a lot of times they'll have like <clears throat> a store will just have exclusives, like oh, right. access to an exclusive line of Skittles cars or something like that, <laughs> that you can only get at KB Toys. Yeah, I think they have a NASCAR deal too. 
if I'm not mistaken. I would not be surprised. Uh, and the Hot Wheels usually have a little bit um, wider, a longer axle and wider wheels um, because it's just cooler if that wheel sticks out from the body a little bit, you know. Well, plus also supposedly, and we'll talk about this a little more, when you shrink a car down to scale, it looks a little weird. Yeah, you might as well go ahead and bring that up. Okay. It looks weird. You can't just shrink it and have it this, in the same proportion and have it look normal. Right. Like, it'll be as far as, like, shrinking a car down by scale. It will be in the exact same proportion, but it, it's just off a little bit. Like, so what they do to make a Hot Wheels raceable is they expand the wheel well a little more. Yeah. They break it out a little bit, yeah. Which is why the wheels stick out some on a on a Hot Wheels, but not on a Matchbox. That's right. Because Matchboxes are all about realism. To heck with how it looks, as long as it's real. Uh, the um, one of the my favorite ones, and I had one of these that they mentioned in this article was the Red Baron. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The person who wrote this said it was an inexplicable, an inexplicably cool helmet over the cockpit. Um, I don't know about inexplicable. It was just the roof of the car mm-hmm. was a helmet. Right. Um, but I looked it up again today, and I was like, oh, yeah, I had that thing. But it, was, uh, <laughs> it wasn't a Nazi helmet per se, but it was that shape of the helmet. <laughs> right. Uh, like the U.S. soldiers have that shape now, you know, where it's cut lower around the ears. Right. Instead of just a straight, you know, like the World War II helmet. Right. But the Nazis used those first, you know, because it's a better design. Mm-hmm. Uh, for war, and it also had a, a black iron cross on the side of it. Well, hence the Red Baron, right? Yeah, but it was. <clears throat> it's easy now as an adult to look and say, hmm, that looks like a little Nazi hot rod. Yeah, but the Red Baron was World War One. He was pre Nazi Germany. Yeah, and it was also, I think at the time, just like uh, looked like the biker gang sure. uh, would wear like those helmets with the iron cross. Yeah, and all of it was Southern California hot rod culture yeah, exactly. is what gave rise to Hot Wheels. So it makes sense. Yeah, I don't I don't think there was any like uh surreptitious uh intent. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um so like I said, right out of the gate, Hot Wheels was a hit. They had a cartoon within a year or so of re- the first sixteen being released. Sure. Um the second release they had uh I think twenty two new cars. Yeah, thirty three total. And then um, the third year, they they had another. They released thirty three after that, right? Oh no, no, yeah, I'm sorry, thirty three by nineteen seventy. So they did sixteen, twenty four, and then thirty three, and all of them came in like different colors, right? So like I sure. said, if you had one, that didn't mean you had them all. You wanted to collect them all. Yeah. So kids were going crazy for it, and uh, another way that. Mattel very wisely targeted children was to get in with fast food. Yeah. Uh, in 1970, the first Hot Wheels came out as a toy at Jack in the Boxes. Oh, really? Yeah. The big one, though, the oh, one that like put them over the top was in 1983 when kids who were uh, lucky enough to be taken to McDonald's for dinner. The Happy Meal. To get a, <laughs> exactly, get a hot wheel, which is what they called them at the time, uh, or could get one of 14 Hot Wheels, yeah, in 1983. And they had some cool ones, they had a Chevy Citation, did they really? Yeah, they had one that was one of my favorites, actually. It was a um Toyota Mini Trek, which is a like a station wagon camper, and it even said painted on the side, Good Time Camper. That you could get in your Happy Meal, which if I could have one Hot Wheel, it would probably be that. You know what they were doing now that I look back through my adult eyes? Like snorting pot? No, they were giving you a bunch of crappy ones 
because you wanted to keep coming back to get the cool one. Yeah, probably. You're like, ah, oh, I got a citation. I'm like, can I go back because I want to get the hot rod? Right. That's exactly what they were doing. Sure. Man, I feel so, like, manipulated. What did you think they were doing with Happy Meals? Well, I mean, I know it was all manipulation to get you to try and own all of them. Right. But they should have been all cool ones, but you can't do that because the the regular kid might be like, no, nah, I got I got the cool one, I'm fine. But if you get the this, this citation, right. you feel gypped off and you really want to go back and get one of the hot rods. Yeah. It, it's... My eyes are wide open, my friend. Well, that's why our friends down under in Australia have, like, outlawed marketing directly to children, which I think is a fantastic move. Oh, really? Yeah, that's so unfair to market directly to children. It's just it almost literally is like taking candy from a baby. Right. Like, kids aren't sophisticated enough sure. to psychologically defend themselves from being, like, bombarded with yeah. by adults to say, go tell your parents to buy you this. You can't function correctly without this trapper keeper, so go get it. The trapper keeper. Yeah. What, uh, did they make a law? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's a big one. Very progressive law. It's I a big law. I think all countries should <laughs> adopt. Um, well, in 1983, I agree wholeheartedly, by the way, in 1983 is when that Happy Meal thing happened, and <laughs> also the same year they moved from uh, Hong Kong to Malaysia, um, and, it, and it said that's when they added their economy cars, so that must have coincided with the citation. Yeah, the <laughs> citation, man. <laughs> One of the most disappointing Happy Meal toys you could possibly get. Yeah, because it reminded you of your dad who drove a citation. <laughs> right, who was always mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, dear. So, uh, Chuckers. Yes. After 1983, not mm -hmm. a lot happened. Hot Wheels just kept going on, expanding more and more and more. Sure. Um, I think they had another Happy Meals joint in 91 or something like that. Um, and uh, in 1995, they said, we need, to, we need to do something big. And they did. They released something called a Treasure Hunt series, which was a, a purposefully limited release car series of cars yeah um i think they they did uh 12 models at ten thousand each originally yes. and and hence the name treasure hunt they were hard to find yeah and one of the cooler ones for me uh was the oldsmobile 442 yeah the thing is neat a dude at my uh church had a uh, 442 and it was just awesome man he was he had like the only muscle car in the youth group and um <laughs> years <laughs> Like two years ago, I, my brother, uh, I was talking about uh, this dude, Jason Singleton. I was like, whatever happened to him? He's like, oh, he still lives in the so-and-so. And he went, and you know what, dude? I went, no. He went, he's still got it. Oh, yeah. Why would you get rid of it? He still he still has the car. I went to his Facebook page, and it is like the center of his life. I'm sure. It's his baby. I mean, he's had that thing since like 1986. <laughs> and just it's juiced up, and he used to scare the daylights out of me in that thing. But it was also exhilarating you know, to be riding with him. And he, you know, like 200 feet of drag he would lay. Sure. Like power braking, and he would He'd get like be, four sets of tires a year. Right. <laughs> He'd be in the uh, passenger seat going, save me, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was very scared because I was, you know, I didn't flirt with the wild side back then. No. So the was, Oldsmobile 442 is as close as you got. Huh? Yep. It was exhilarating. And then, uh, so that was 1995. This yeah. treasure hunt thing kind of went, um, it didn't go exactly as planned. <laughs> Mattel was like, oh, we could make even more money if we 
put these into wider release. Yeah. So the original 10,000 releases were redone again and again and again. So Treasure Hunt kind of became commonplace. Sure. But it was a good idea. And it tapped into this whole uh, idea of collecting. Like Mattel was like, we know you're out there and we're going to design these just for you. Yeah. And we'll talk more about collectors. Um but just to kind of button up the history of Hot Wheels, it all came full circle in 1996 when um, Mattel bought Tyco, and hence Hot Wheels bought Matchbox. So they're all owned by Mattel at this point. Yes. All right. We'll get to the uh, design and collecting right after this. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was we'll it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. 
And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So... Back then, if you wanted to do a smaller version of a larger car and scale it down, um, you didn't have computer-aided design and stuff. Sometimes you might have had a blueprint, which helped, but sometimes you just had to get out there in the parking lot with the tape measure yeah. and just take uh, some measurements and then um, you know, be good at math. Right. Basically. And like like we said, Harry Bradley, who's the daddy of the Hot Wheels designs, who's the guy who did the first 16, um, he was a GM designer originally. Uh, in his footsteps followed Howard Reese, and then after that, Larry Wood, and they, those, those are some of like the legendary Hot Wheels designers. That's the Mount Rushmore of Hot Wheels? Pretty much, yeah. Nice. Um, and yeah, they would just literally go out and, and measure these things, and that was one way that Hot Wheels were born. Another way was that, and this definitely differentiates Hot Wheels from Matchbox, is that there are Hot Wheels that only exist in the Hot Wheels world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they are called the fantasy cars. Like yeah. They're just the designer's imagination come to life. Right, whereas Matchbox only, I believe, has uh, bread trucks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, they only have cars that are based on real cars, right? Right. Hot Wheels has a whole fantasy line. It's interesting that they're owned by the same company still, and they, they just have kept that distinction. Yeah. You know? I guess some people are Matchbox kids, and some uh, kids are Hot Wheels kids. I had both, I think. I had yeah. a bread truck. Is that why you keep <laughs> going to the bread truck well? No, I didn't have a bread truck, but I do remember having a couple of like weird utility-type vehicles uh-huh. uh, that I don't remember. They were probably gifts or stocking stuffers or something. Huh. I don't think I, like, sought it out. I was always into Tonka trucks. I thought Tonka was great. They were obviously much bigger, but those were, like, construction vehicles, like dump trucks and stuff like that. And still today, um, that Volvo dump truck, the giant one um, with the huge wheels, I think is one of the coolest vehicles ever created. Yeah. I think I had one of those when I was a kid. I didn't have a lot of Tonka stuff. Um, One of my favorite Hot Wheels, though, was the uh, Little Red Express truck. I don't remember that. If you saw it, you might it might ring a bell. It was basically uh, I can't remember what kind of truck it was. I think it was a Dodge, but it was just a cool red step side pickup truck, and it had the two uh, the two vertical mufflers on each side that I, went up above the truck. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And if you go to the um, the uh, Peterson Automotive Museum in L.A. Oh yeah, they have a really cool exhibit there that I haven't been to in person, but I was looking at it online, permanent exhibit where they have the real life versions of the Hot Wheel cars and they have a little red express truck, a a full size one. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw it and I was like, whoa. Did you just 
die from nostalgia? Uh, Might have teared up a little bit at the, at the <laughs> desk. Um, but they have, you know, the the <laughs> gussied up Corvettes with the big chrome engines coming out of the hood. And do they have the four four two? I don't know if they have the four forty two, but I'm. They going... will when your friend dies. Yeah, <laughs> I'll bet it's in his will. <laughs> I'll go straight to the museum. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to this thing, though, at some point. I don't know on this next L.A. trip or not, but um, it's right there near the La Brea Tar Pits, I think. Oh, yeah. So I want to go check it out. I've been there. Yeah. It's neat. It is neat. Uh, but back to the design. These days, you're not going to need a tape measure and stuff like that. You're going to Photoshop uh, designs, and you're going to even get a 3D printer to oh, do, maybe yeah. do your prototype. That had to have helped them tremendously. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, with a, if you're designing real-life cars and you have a 3D printer, that's pretty handy. But with Hot Wheels, like, you can print out pretty much exactly what it's going to look like. Sure. And once they have the, um, the uh, prototype done, they'll make, a, they'll make a mold out of it and then inject it with molten metal under tremendous pressure. Yeah. And that's why it's called die-cast. You create a die that you cast all of the ensuing ones from. Yeah, and I think they're made with less metal than they used to be. Um, But they they still have metal components, right? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen a new one in a while. I haven't either, but I'm almost positive they do. And apparently they're still about like a dollar. Oh, really? Yeah, I was on the Hot Wheels collector site today and like they kept making reference to about a dollar. So so just what's called the main line. Yeah. The ones that they make en masse. The citation. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'll bet if you got your hands on that 1983 citation, yeah. it'd be worth a few bucks. <laughs> You're right. Um, but they kept referring to the, the mainline stuff, so it's about a dollar. Well, they just kept making their manufacturing cheaper and cheaper, so they've maintained that cost, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so as far as collecting goes, uh, the most valuable, and that is not um, this crazy one made out of diamonds for the 40th anniversary, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, but the most valuable regular... Hot Wheel is the uh, the 68 Beach Bomb, which was a VW bus in hot pink that had um, real surfboards sticking out of the back of it. Yeah, originally um, they only released, I think, 25 of them like that. There were a couple of problems. It was difficult to manufacture them with the surfboards sticking out of the back, even though it was more realistic. Sure. And it also um, was terrible on like a loop-de-loop track. Yeah. Because I guess the surfboards would either weigh them down or it would get stuck. Yeah. So they, they only made just a few of these things. The The beach bomb that was the highest selling um, the Hot Wheels ever was a pink one. They made even fewer of those because apparently a lot of boys were like, oh, I'm not playing with some pink van. Right. Even if it does have cool surfboards sticking out of the back. So the thing sold for like, I think, 70-something, $75,000 in 2000. Yeah. And it has since sold again. In 2011, I saw in like LA Magazine for like 125000 Yeah. it's a lot of money for a tiny little car. Yeah, it is. And that's the highest one ever, apparently um, by a long shot too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen others that were worth like uh, ten grand and stuff. Like I think one of those 442 originals is... Like ten grand. Yeah, I guess like uh, 1970 mongoose uh, or cobra are worth about ten grand these days, um, and a lot of them, just like with any collector's item, um, you'll see if there was just a few of them made. Obviously, they're going to be worth a lot more. Um, if there was something that where they adjusted the design, like for example, the uh, python was originally called the cheetah. Yeah. 
And then they found out that a real-life executive with real-life lawyers at GM owned the name Cheetah. Yeah. Because apparently GM executives just own names for cars that could potentially be used. Like every fast animal name. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so they changed it to the the Python, but they they that was after they'd started manufacturing the Cheetah. So there's some out there that say Cheetah yeah. uh, stamped on the bottom, and if you have one of those, it's, it's worth ten grand. Yeah, it's funny to think about. It's the same with Star Wars. Like sometimes the the mistake ones are the ones that are super valuable because right. like there was some recall, but they're like, oh, but you want that one <laughs> because the uh, Boba Fett's rocket really shot out before kids started choking on them. Right, or catching on fire. <laughs> yeah, and that's the one you want. Yeah. But like you said, it's all about scarcity and supply and demand. Dude, uh, this whole thing has reminded me of um, a really great gallery I put together a about hilarious knockoff toys. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, go to stuffyoushouldknow.com and look that up. It's pretty awesome. There's some really strange interpretations of beloved toys, including Star Wars yeah. toys, that people who make counterfeit toys come up with to I try to skirt <laughs> trademark law maybe yeah. or something, or else they just fully don't understand the toy and what its allure is, so they just make it in this weird interpretation. It's pretty hilarious stuff. Yeah, it's a good one. We'll post that again. Okay. Um, and then I did mention the diamond-studded one. I always think these things are just ridiculous, but, um, but like, to take any, like, a, the diamond-studded bra is, is worth, you know, oh, yeah, I a forgot million about bucks. That. Right. I just always think it's kind of dumb. But they did make... A 40th anniversary in uh, edition in 19. I'm sorry, in 2008, with uh, 2,700 little diamonds and rubies for taillights and uh, black diamonds for the tires and all that stuff. 18 karat white gold body, but um, it's worth 140 or it cost 140 thousand dollars to put together. But I'm sure you it's know. gaudy. It's a gaudy Hot Wheels. Yeah, the like car's cool. It looks like Mad Max's car. Oh, you got, is that a picture of it? Yeah, I don't think I saw that. Can you identify that car? Uh, what is that? It looks familiar. It does look familiar it to me. It looks sort too. of like a DeLorean, but I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think so either. No. Man, that new Mad Max looks good though. Oh, they're remaking Mad Max? Well, there's a a new reboot, I guess is what they call it these days. Cool. Who's but, in uh, it? Um, what's his face uh that played uh Bane? Um, who's oh, that guy? Yeah. Tom uh Tom what's his Huddleston? face? Not Tom Wilson, but uh, it looks—it's the same director, Tom Hardy. Yeah, Tom Hardy, but it's the same director from all the Mad Max series. So it's oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And it just looks—it's the whole—it's supposed to be just like one long, intense chase battle. Yeah, sounds a lot like a Mad Max movie. Yep, that's what you you want. Have you ever seen Vanishing Point? Uh, I think so. What is that? It was like. Man, I can't remember the car, but the car was basically the star. It was one oh, yeah. long car chase from, like, I think um, Colorado to California. Yeah, I remember that. That's a good one from the 70s. Yeah, two lane blacktop, too. Challenger? That's I another think it was classic a Challenger, car movie. The car. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, that's a good one. That one weirdly had uh, James Taylor in it <laughs> <laughs> when he was young and, like, on drugs and cool. Were they apologizing to France? No, I don't know what the deal was. Did you hear about that? No. So that whole Charlie Hebdo um, like yeah. solidarity march, the U.S. sent like, yeah. I think the assistant deputy the in charge of the USDA or something like that. Yeah. Um, so to apologize, John Kerry had um, James Taylor go to France to perform 
You've got a friend. Shut up. For the French government. Ugh. Yeah. Just talk That's about so making. Embarrassing. Ma- I know, isn't it? Send Guns and Roses or something at least. Like, <laughs> well, not send Guns Guns and Roses from 1988. I, I that would, would go be for a good any gift. Guns and Roses, man. Ooh. Uh, one more thing about collecting. If you wanted to be the coolest collector of Hot Wheels on the planet, you would have to build a time machine and go back to 1987 to my hometown of Toledo, Ohio, oh, yeah. which is where the first ever Hot Wheels convention, collector's convention, was held. I really wish I would have gone to that because I was there at the time. What year was it? 87. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't believe we sent James Taylor. I'm still just like, yeah. I can't focus on anything. Well, if you want to know more about James Taylor or Hot Wheels or just about anything there is in the universe, you can type it into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this um, minimum wage argument. Not argument. Proposal. All right. Uh, Listen to how homelessness works from quite a few years ago. And you guys commented that part of the problem was that low minimum wage in comparison to the cost of renting a two-bedroom apartment uh, you'd have to work something like 87 per hours, uh, 87 hours per week to afford it. With the implication, we need to raise minimum wage. Uh, after hearing this, a clear solution occurred to me. I think uh, disagreements on raising minimum wage as a result was simple misunderstanding. Uh, on the raise side, people believe this wage should be set at a level that would allow someone to raise a few children and live a modest but reasonably comfortable level, or at least a safe level. Uh, on the don't raise it side, people believe minimum wage is just a starting point for working, uh, like for teenagers at their summer job or after school. Uh, this, I believe, workers should uh, were never intended to and should not expect to be able to support a family that pays minimum wage. Uh, so here's my solution. Since we're a democracy here, let's just decide what it is supposed to accomplish and then set it at the appropriate level to do that. If we decide as a nation that someone should be able to raise a family, rent a two-bedroom apartment while earning a wage, minimum wage, let's just figure out what that would cost and set the wage there. Figure in rent, clothing, food, uh, utilities, transportation, etc. Let's say it's twenty-seven grand per year, then set it at that rate. On the other hand, if we as a nation decide that minimum wage is just a starting point and not meant to support a family, it's intended for people with no work history or experience and low to no marketable skills, and we need to set minimum wage at a relatively low level and let the market, uh, the free market will ultimately determine the wage for entry-level workers. And workers historically have been able to increase compensation by gaining skills and good work history. Uh, With this settled, any argument about setting minimum wage at a living wage would be mistaken because we all just decided that people are not meant to live on minimum wage and certainly not meant to support a family. That is from Joe Prohaska in uh, Reno, Nevada. And uh, it's interesting. I look forward to seeing the rebuttal emails. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's a great proposal. I mean, I I think that is what it's based on. Sure. Uh, But as far as I know, the cost of living calculations are really out of date. Yeah. And take a lot of stuff into account that doesn't really apply any longer. Plus, regardless of what you think it should or should not be, Mm -hmm. the fact is adults with two kids are still going to be working these jobs. It's not just going to be teenagers right. looking to advance. But it would be nice to, to put that issue to bed, to say, like, this is what we're trying to achieve or this is not what we're trying to achieve. Right. At the very least, to get everybody talking. Yeah, because should some teenager at his first job make, like, 14 bucks an hour? I don't know. I don't know if that's sending the right message either. I don't know. 
I don't know. We'll leave it up to you guys, our dear listeners. When I started working, it was like three bucks an hour or something. It was ridiculously low. That is ridiculously low. Yeah. Uh, if you want to let us know how you feel about Joe's proposal, was it Joe? I believe it was Joe. Reno Joe? Reno Joe. Uh, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can post it on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can put it in an email at StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, just for kicks, you can hang around our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Childproofing people's homes is hard, but Duracell is making it just a bit simpler. Not only are they committed to educating parents, caregivers, and medical professionals about the importance of battery safety, they make the only lithium coin batteries with a non-toxic bitter coating to help discourage children from swallowing them. Duracell even features child-secure packaging designed to avoid accidental opening. Learn more at Duracell.com slash power safely. Available on 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes.